Attention sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I think everybody in my conference is in favor of the president's position on the wall and on border security. It is no secret that the use of the national emergency law has generated a good deal of discussion. It'll all come to a head on Thursday. The clock runs and the vote will occur on Thursday. Look, I think Nancy Pelosi is clearly already starting to lose control of her party. I think we're seeing that on a lot of the things that have taken place over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm glad that she sees what the rest of us see and that there's no reason, no cause for impeachment. This is the United States of America. There's nothing we are unable to do. Nothing we've ever tried had we failed at. This is America, so it's time to get up. And now, Stacey Washington. <laughs> oh, Joe Biden. Can't you just see him making that statement while he's massaging the shoulders of an uncomfortable woman or young girl who's trying desperately to get away from him? <laughs> That's what should be in your mind every time you hear his voice, that he is always standing behind some woman with his hands on her shoulders and he's rubbing and massaging and whispering in her ear while she looks uncomfortable as the cameras just click and click and click. Not a man within arm's reach who would push him off or say, hey, you know, could you get your hands off my daughter? Could you get your hands off my wife? Or, hey, honey, come stand over here next to me and put their arm around their wife or their daughter. Not a man in sight. Metro men everywhere just standing around letting Joe Biden squeeze their wives' shoulders. Think of it. Every time you hear his voice, that should be the image in your mind. He is going to be the one that they're probably going to settle on. Um, he's the safest crazy cat out of the crazy bag of cats they've got running on the left. And it's pretty interesting. Uh, so welcome to the show. And welcome to Stacy on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. And today on the show, well, first of all, Facebook and Instagram are down. Yeah. So uh, I had a friend of mine reach out to me and say, my, my Instagram account just disappeared. And she just recently gotten back on Instagram. And so I'm like, wow, I wonder what's going on there. And then this morning, Facebook and Instagram are down all over the place, like literally globally all over the place. There are outages. So we're not streaming there today. We are streaming to uh, our YouTube account and America's Voice TV. Uh, but we're not doing anything with Facebook today um, just because it's down. We can't even get to it. Today on the program, we're going to talk to John York of the Heritage Foundation. Uh, what's the topic? Well, Joe Biden. We're going to talk about Joe Biden and campaign finance and who it really benefits. And we're also going to talk about this first legally recognized non-binary American. He's actually uh, really been out there speaking about how he has a lot of regrets and how he made a mistake and he didn't have anybody in his life who would tell him the truth and try to get him some counseling to help him get away from what was a mental illness to him. And so He's been forever altered by this experience, and he's out there trying to blow the, the, the horn, the trumpet, you know, sound the, the alarm for others who your life is not just in these few moments, um, but the decisions that people make when they have really fools in their ears, uh, it, it has lasting ramifications. So that's something that's going on as well. Uh, we're going to get into this young girl, and when you hear the audio of her voice, it's just, it's amazing. She's Going to high school one day, she walks in and there's all these pictures up on the wall, um, rainbow flags. And she knows it's for the Gay Straight Alliance, 
Um, and so, or, or to support, you know, pride, so-called pride for, uh, for, you know, homosexual activities. And so she prints out some Bible verses and puts them all over her locker and then puts them around near the signs where the, the little rainbow flags are. She's told immediately, you know, first of all, she sees people taking the sign, the, the Bible verses down and leaving the flags up. And then she's informed that she has an in-school suspension the next day. And so we're going to listen to the audio of her talking about that. And uh, we're also going to get into this story. Federal court overwhelmingly rules that Ohio can indeed defund Planned Parenthood. This is something that we're not giving up on. We can't give up on it. We have to continue to fight uh, for pro-life causes and to keep that at the forefront. Um, Even in, in spite of there's kind of a weird new atmosphere where people are no longer willing to, um, you know, go back and forth and disagree with you. They just want to shut you down and keep you from even finishing your thought or your sentence. And there's a lot of derangement. Like we, we call it Trump derangement syndrome, but I'm seeing it in people that aren't really political. Um, the, the infection of left-wing media, it's, it's seeping into people's brains and the deception is no longer just you're wrong and I'm right. Uh, let's argue about it. Now it's, you know, visceral anger and hatred that rises up in people when they think that you are not on, quote unquote, the right side, their side, the side that believes what they believe. So it's, it's interesting. It's really crazy to see it. So I first want to get into this audio and then we're going to do the encouragement. Um, I have a couple of verses for you in light of the story with the girl for the, the Bible school or not Bible school, but the suspension for posting the Bible verses and also this uh, uh, non-binary American. Let's first listen to that. It's number two, and then we'll get into the encouragement. Yes, Laura, re- regret is unfortunately is very common. But uh, but again, you know, the, the, the media doesn't want to talk about these surgeries that go wrong and, and the host of health complications. And it's really wrong to even call this transition because gender identity is, is essentially, it's, it's legal fiction. You know, first they claimed that I was a woman and then they claimed that I was a combination of male and female and, and, and everybody went along with this. But as I said, it, it's nothing but legal fiction. So he says he has a lot of regrets and that there's this legal fiction that people are foisting on each other. And look, can we really be surprised that he's using the word fiction can we really be surprised that people who believe in this uh, type of, it's an indoctrination process, but it's also a, a pack of lies. Can we really be surprised that, um, that what's happening afterwards is complete destruction of people's life? It, it's your whole life utterly obliterated because you've changed your body in ways that it can't be changed back. And so you have to forever live with this new reality, which is you actually now look like someone who is gender amorphous. Because you're no longer your original sex, the, the sex that you have in your DNA, your genetic basis, that's, no, that's not changed, but the outer form that you have has been altered. And we're talking about the rushing of the hormones. I mean, we all, we all who can forget what it was like to be in high school and to start to you know, go through puberty and the, the wild emotions and the changes in your body? Well, people who go through these gender transitions, they experience that again, and they go through these wild changes in their body, and then they have to have alterations to their body made. And it's not, these aren't easy surgeries that they're having. And then when they come to their senses later, and they realize, I, I, I want my original body back, there's no way to get it back. And so it's, it's even more obvious when the Bible says, 
that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We see that demonstrated here with the killing of the psyche of the individual, the destruction of their body, and the stealing of the years of their life where they were deceived into thinking that they could actually be another gender, that, that their gender was assigned instead of being genetically who they are. And they get to kind of look back on all of it and see how over and over again they were lied to and how the people who lied to them, they're still living their lives in their original bodies. They've not experienced the same kind of trauma and upset that the, these, you know, the people who've tried to transition have experienced. And that's the worst of it, that the people who are responsible for foisting these wrong ideas on other people and now children, really, the children are the ones who are being targeted the most right now. Um, you know, any child who doesn't like playing with Barbies and is a girl is all of a sudden she's she's really a boy. And then they start basically transforming the child instead of allowing them to just be a little girl who prefers to play with trucks, but still a girl, obviously. This is happening now more and more frequently, which is why it is so stunning to see a high school girl working as hard as this girl did, and we'll listen to that later in the show, um, basically posting Bible verses and saying people need to know the truth. They shouldn't be confused. It, I mean, it's just amazing. So the encouragement for today, and you know, some people might not find this encouraging, but I'm not here for the approval. Um, and I don't mean that I don't care, but I mean that I'm not here for the approval, meaning if people don't like hearing scripture and the word of God, that's not my problem. Because um, the truth has to go out. The truth has to go out and we have to be aware of what the truth is. So 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 11 says, We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders, liars, perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine. That conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. So first off, for those who say that homosexuality cannot possibly be a sin, practicing homosexuality comes after the writer says ungodly, sinful, unholy, irreligious, law-breaking, rebels, killers, murderers, sexually immoral. Then he says practicing homosexuality. So it's, it's clear that this is within a group of people who are sinful and going against God's will for their bodies and for their lives towards other people. Leviticus 20, 13 through 15 says, if a man has sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman, both of them have done what is detestable. They are to be put to death. Their blood will be on their own heads. If a man marries both a woman and her mother, it is wicked. Both he and they must be burned in the fire. So no wickedness would be among you. If a man has sexual relations with an animal, he is to be put to death and you must kill the animal. Now, no one is advocating for killing people who practice homosexuality. But it is clear that the Bible does not tolerate it and that it is a sin. And so any condoning of that makes you guilty of the same sin. So we, we have to be so truly and honestly mortified by what is unholy and unclean to God that we would not want to participate in it and we wouldn't want to be purveyors of it and spread it to other people. That, that's just the simple truth of it. If we're condoning it and saying, well, I don't agree with it, but it's not for me, 
But if other people want to do it, that's their choice. You're condoning it. You're giving it a pass. And if you're seeing, as this girl did, she felt compelled when she saw the the rainbow flags elevating homosexuality and duping her classmates into thinking that it was an acceptable way to live. She was compelled to, to post scripture and we are responsible for our reaction when we see this spreading about, whether it's in your kid's school, uh, whether it's in your workplace, you have to stand up and speak out against it. I saw someone posted earlier today, there are more of us than there are of them. Why do we allow this? Such a good question because we're afraid of looking like those crazy Christians. And sometimes when I say that on air, you know, even in a joking way, people automatically bristle and, you know, they reach out to me. What do you mean those crazy Christians? Well, when I'm being sarcastic about it, I mean, there's this caricature of us as Christians that everything that is fun, we're against it. Anything that makes people laugh or, or it, you know, you can see people enjoying themselves, we're against it. That's not true at all. God actually says we're here to live life and live it to the fullest abundantly. He gives us that. He wants us to enjoy our food and enjoy our drink and enjoy spending time with each other and enjoy working and enjoy resting. He wants us to do those things. There are certain activities that he has set aside as not being okay for us to do because they destroy our bodies and our minds. And all of the things that were listed in that first Timothy one, eight through 11 fall in that group. And so just like for us as parents, when we see our kids doing something that is uh, wrong or, or harmful to them, we tell them to stop. And our kids say, oh, you know what? You, you, you know, you don't like me or you don't love me or you don't want me to have any fun. No, that's not true. You're trying to protect your child from destroying their life or destroying their ability to do something in the future or harming themselves. So what looks like fun in the beginning ends up being something very harmful for them. And you want to stop that. And our father in heaven is no different. In fact, he's far better than we are as parents. And so that is why it's not an act of hatred to post scriptures. It's not, you know, to, to say homosexuality is wrong. It, it hurts you. It's not an act of hatred to tell the truth about it and to say to someone who is condoning it, but is also claiming the mantle of Christianity that they're at odds with themselves. And it's okay to say that. And if you get pushback, if people are angry, so be it. But don't let the opportunity go by you to tell the truth. You have to do it. You have to tell the truth about this stuff. The little girl sets the example for us. When we get back, we'll have John York of the Heritage Foundation. Keep it here. It's amazing, but true. When it comes to one of America's biggest household expenditures, health care, a lot of people think they've got no choice. People are used to thinking we have to do it this way but they don't. Yes, you have the freedom to choose an alternative with your health care. It's MediShare, and it costs way less than the alternatives. The typical family saves $500 a month, not a year, a month. And if you're single, this can save you a lot too. And let's face it, a big reason MediShare is 400,000 people strong, it just works. They've shared over $3 billion in medical bills, so they can help share your needs too. Joining MediShare for so many people is one of those things that makes you say, why didn't I do this before? So yes, the time has come for something better. Look into joining MediShare and see why so many people are opting out of the old way and into the new. Why not look into this? Just call 855-PSALM-23. 
That's 855-PSALM-23. 855-PSALM-23. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with The Legacy Moment. My mother was a model of giving and sacrifice. As the saying goes, she had a heart as big as Texas. She placed others, especially the needs of her family, above her own. On more than one occasion when we said to her, Mom, you need to do something for yourself, she would typically say, Y'all don't worry about me. The Lord will always make sure I get mine. That's sort of a refreshing perspective. We live in a culture full of demands. Everybody wants to make sure that they get what belongs to them. I want mine. I've got to take care of me first and make sure I don't go without. So we're grabbing and hoarding and making sure we look good. As followers of Christ, giving and an other's orientation is part of who we are. God always makes sure that those who give get what they need. That's why I love the model of selfless leadership in Joshua. Listen to Joshua chapter 19, verses 49 and 50. When they finished apportioning the land for inheritance by its borders, the sons of Israel gave an inheritance in their midst to Joshua the son of Nun. In accordance with the command of the Lord, they gave him the city for which he asked, Timnath-Sirah, in the hill country of Ephraim. So he built the city and settled in it. There are two wonderful perspectives we need to hold on to from these two verses. First, meet the needs of those around you. Don't be so focused on what you need. Worry about others' needs first. Then second, your needs will not go unnoticed or unmet. God will make sure you get what you need. Here's what I want you to remember today. God's heart is drawn toward givers. Put others first. As my mother would have said, God will make sure you get yours. Legacy Moment with Crawford Loritz is produced by Moody Radio. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you for being with us today here at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Why don't you go over to StacyOnTheRight.com and hit the subscribe button? You'll get the periodically issued newsletter that I do, um, which always has pictures from the White House, or sometimes it's interviews that we've done here on the show. Um, we sometimes put them into separate YouTube videos so you can have it. It's like a little mini podcast of just that interview and you can share it. Really great content. Um, actually, we're thinking about doing one for Counterculture Mom. She was extremely popular yesterday. I've gotten so much feedback from that interview. Uh, fantastic. We had Tina Griffin on with us. So go to StaceyOnTheRight.com and hit the subscribe button. You will not regret it. And uh, my, right now, it's my pleasure to welcome John York of the Heritage Foundation. John, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Stacey. It's great to be on. And in fact, you interviewed my boss uh, a few days ago, John Malcolm. So I oh. hope I can do it as well as he did. And if I don't, don't tell him about it. I would, no, would be I, greatly appreciate it. We, okay, first of all, we like him. He's, he's awesome. Great. Yeah, he's, he's great. It must be super fun to work with someone who's that lightning fast and knowledgeable. And, uh, you know, you, all of you guys are super. Let me just for a second before we get into this interview. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Okay, so let me tell okay. you, John York, I'm going to tell you a couple things people don't really know. And that is, okay. a few years back, I was hanging out with Jay Carafano over at the Heritage Foundation. And he took me up to the Margaret Thatcher statue that y'all have up there. And yeah. I took my picture next to it, and I was hanging out. And deep down within myself, I thought, if I ever lived in the D.C. area, 
I would come to the Heritage Foundation and I would stage a little mini protest until y'all hired me so I could be there every day. <laughs> because I, I love it job, over there. Funnily enough. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you I get a job I, I, at the I Heritage Foundation? Other than being super awesome and having like a thousand degrees and being a lawyer yeah. and a doctor and an engineer all at once. You guys have some amazing staff over there. The building is beautiful. It's centrally located. And um, it's one of my favorite places. Whenever I'm in D.C., I always find a reason to get up there and hang out with y'all and use your Wi-Fi. So just telling you. (laughs) (laughs) They don't let me wander around the building. But I do do usually get up to where the Daily Signal is. And I just Mm -hmm. occupy an empty cubicle. And (laughs) people are like, who is this? What is she doing here? And I'm like, I'm borrowing y'all's studio. And I just get looks like, who What? Who let her in here? So, um, well, yeah, you guys perfect. have a pretty cool thing. So, okay, let's talk about Joe Biden now. I'm so sick okay. of him, to be honest. I'm so sick of him. <laughs> um, now that he's finally said he's going to run, I know he's probably going to be the one to get the nomination, but they're going to fight like cats and dogs because he's not progressive enough. Um, yeah, I but I don't right. think the Yeah, I don't think the progressives have enough to... Question mark. Like, that's a major question mark. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't... I don't I think the new wing is still too new to actually not get him, like to get Bernie. But I think it's going to be Joe Biden. Well, I think that, like you, you pointed out, the, the problem is this new wing of the Progressive Party strong enough to ensure enough of itself because it's not. I don't think anyone on the left thinks it's a sure thing that they're going to win uh, in twenty twenty. And so are people going to vote their heart? Are they going to vote for the person they really love? Or are they going to vote for the person they think has a clear shot to win? And if they vote um, for the person they think has a clear shot to win, gosh, I, it'd be hard, hard for us to say it's not Biden, right? I, I mean, from yeah. my perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- because he's the least crazy of them all. But he has a problem mm. with keeping his hands off women's shoulders and their backs and, <laughs> you know, yeah. rubbing them. And even young women and 12-year-old girls, he just likes giving everybody a shoulder massage. And I had it's somebody a bit of an on. Odd thing. I'll admit that. <laughs> well, it, and it looks horrible in pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really enraging, actually, because if you have teenage daughters, so me and my husband have teenage daughters, you know that they're already so uncomfortable. Like, they're barely wanting to hug their own mom. And right. then there's this yeah. guy, Joe Biden, you know, and he's got his shoulders hunched up around his ears and he's rubbing their shoulders. And you're like, what are you doing, dude? What? What is this? It, it's uh, the optics aren't great. I'll admit that. And more more than that, even I think some of the things he said and he's been in politics a long time and the, the party has changed so dramatically <laughs> since when he got in in the in the 70s. Uh, and some of the comments he made back then are so out of line. With uh, with what Democrats are saying today, especially around race relations, and uh, it's hard to you know, as I'm sure you know. That, that, I just like that, laughing about it because he was so real, and so I don't. Uh, I, none of it's offensive to me because you know what I like knowing what people think. I'm like, you know what? That's what you think. Fine. That's what you thought in the '70s. Fine. Who cares? Right. Like, I'm not offended by it, but I'm also not a Democrat, so this would not right. be a problem for me. And I don't think older Democrats would have a problem with it either. But the new ones are going to see these stories, and they're going to be like, we can't vote for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I think that's right. So you and I probably aren't going to be voting Democratic primary unless we just want to throw a wrench in things. We happen to live in an uh, <laughs> uh, open uh, primary state, which would probably, you know, you'd want to think about whether or not that that's what the founders would have intended. But um, I think with, with Biden, uh it seems to me all the Democrats I know, whenever I see people talking on MSNBC and CNN, they just want fresh blood. And so um, I think that's going to be a real a real hurdle for sure. 
Yeah, because Joe Biden has a lot of things, but he's not fresh blood. We can mm-hmm. agree on that. Um, no, that's so, for sure. Yeah, he's he's an old guy, and I got nothing against old guys. Um, I like Donald Trump. I like the fact that he's older and he has all of that experience and that we have all these YouTube videos of him from you know decades ago saying similar things to what he says now. I like that, but I just don't see the Democrats because they're, what they're doing right now is they're vilifying anyone who's white or a man or has any age on them. Like that is their favorite target du jour. So how did they then nominate Joe Biden, who is an older white man, who, yeah. according to them, is the devil, the privileged monster, right. someone who would never help anyone else, selfish, racist, et cetera? Yeah, they're, they're, their own standard is <laughs> is sort of discounting or may lead them to discount uh, certainly their most popular person in the states, real swing states like Ohio and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Michigan. It's easy to see Biden doing better in those states than Hillary Clinton, and certainly better than uh, you know the other people in the field uh, this year, this time around. So it, it may their their own very um, rigorous, probably unfair standard uh, uh, that you mentioned. That, that's probably gonna could be the hill they die on. Mm. I hope so because I really don't want. <laughs> I, so the thing with Joe Biden is, and I I've said this many times on the radio, John. Um, he's so he he's a Democrat. He ha- he has views that I disagree with, but he's also super fun. And the mm-hmm. best things he's ever done, like uh, marketing wise, are the videos he did with Barack Obama where he's the he's the sidekick and Barack right. Obama's <laughs> the cool kid. And it, it, as much as I hate their policies, I watch those videos and I laugh. They make me laugh. I, I think they're they both look so True. they're like the, the, the bro relationship that all bro right. relationships want to be like, you know, so that's that's bad for Republicans mm-hmm. who are always seen as unfun, unfunny in the way they've demonized President Trump, who actually is really fun. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's strange in a way that people don't. Well, I don't know. I understand that if I if I was on the left and and he came as hard after figures I liked as as Trump does on Twitter, I'd probably be a little <laughs> mad too. But it is hard to deny a lot of what he says is objectively funny. So it is. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, he makes he makes. <laughs> He makes you laugh. You're like, mm-hmm. what did he just say? He's he's, he's the, the old school <laughs> troll that we all want to be like. The, so right. sometimes I'll read President Trump's tweets and I'm like, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, years ago when I used to tweet a lot, I would tweet something similar to this and get, you know, 40,000 retweets like the, you know, my biggest, best tweets were when I would get frustrated about something and tweet out just whatever I thought. And that resonated with people. And that is what President Trump is like all the time. So it's no wonder that people really, if you're the recipient of that ire, it burns. But if you're on the other side just watching, you're like, more of this. I need more of him tweeting the truth and the way we really feel. Um, Okay, so let's talk about this campaign finance thing. Why do you say that he's showing us that the campaign finance reform would benefit the media and not the people? So if you think, so this is an article I wrote a, a while back, but it's still very true today. He, uh, Joe Biden, was on Sunday Night Football. I guess I think it was during an intermission. It might have been during halftime. I don't recall. It was 2017. He got two minutes on the air with Matt Lauer to promote his book. His book, Promise Me Dad, about his relationship with his son, uh, was was about to come out. And it was the most. If you could script a perfect campaign ad, that's what it was. Of course, he hasn't. He hadn't announced his candidacy then. He hasn't announced it now. 
I think then, as now, we could probably guess Joe Biden was going to run. Uh-huh. And the, the visuals were so perfect. He was in this sports bar with Matt Lauer, the crowd behind him. At one point, he asked, I don't know, folks, what do you think? Should I run? A big whoop of applause from the crowd. And it struck me that if you bought two minutes of airtime uh, uh, during a halftime of Sunday night football, it would cost you, what was I calculated, $2.8 million. He got it for free. So wow. Democrats focus so much on campaign finance reform and all the political ads and all the spending by wealthy people. But if you just strip that out, we wouldn't have an equal voice. All Americans wouldn't have an equal voice. The media would have even more of a monopoly than they do. And uh, as you probably know, your show and Rush Limbaugh and Fox News are the exception. Almost all the major figures in mass media are very, very to the left. So you can see who that would favor. I mean, yeah. And and so you you just listed me off with some like power hitters there the the the, the so a couple of those programs you named off are reaching, you know, we're talking 32 million a week. So that's oh, that's sure. a place where you you want him to mention your book. If you write one, you want him to drop your name. We reach millions of people here on American Family Radio and we have a huge audience and I'm grateful that, you know, we're growing. We have all of that going on. But right. we're talking about blanket media saturation on the left where oh, they yeah. have an echo chamber in which they, they just basically reset the loop with the newest, latest talking points. And that goes out and they literally repeat it word for word to make sure that every American who's just catching a snippet at the airport or just catching a snippet on their way in or out of picking up a kid, that they all get the same 10 talking points. And that's every day, 24 hours a day, even on the weekend. And the reason I know this is because I've never met a liberal who didn't know the talking points. I've never yep. met a person on the left who claims to know anything about the, the elections or anything. If they say they're voting, when you talk to them, they parrot the leftist talking points word for word. But if you ask them anything more, any follow-on questions are met with blank stares because all they've got is just the surface. They've got the whatever that they were told from CNN or MSNBC. So when you talk about Joe Biden being on football – um, it's, I, I almost feel like, John, if let's say Donald Trump had something amazing that he'd written about one of his kids and it was just relatable and relational and, and he was, you know, in a, in a good mood and not talking politics. And he said, you know what, let's get two minutes on, you know, ESPN. I could imagine they almost would say, no, we're not going to sell you that time. Like, that's how polarized we are right now, where they're even protecting their time from us buying it. Oh, most definitely. And if you look, there's been studies of this, something like 90 percent of news coverage of Trump is, uh, is, is negative on the major networks. I'm surprised it's not 100%. I don't think I've ever seen a favorable, any favorable coverage of Trump. I mean, maybe around North Korea. That's maybe an overstatement. 90% is probably about right. Yeah. But, but uh, for Democrats, obviously, as you know, the story is much different. And I think even though the mass media, the cable outlets, CNN, MSNBC, the... Uh, over the air, the big four, they don't have a monopoly as they did before cable, but they sure set the tone. I mean, if, if they break a scandal, Fox News has to respond. But CNN, MSNBC, NBC doesn't have to respond to Fox News on anything. I mean, as we know throughout the Obama administration, they can ignore Fast and Furious. They can ignore many stories that were broken on conservative um, media. So they can, they can call the shots and determine what the issues in the campaign are going to be. And the only one of the only cross-messaging platforms we have is, unfortunately, campaign ads, which you have to pay for. Which can actually, 
it's like feast or famine with those ads. What I've noticed is that for some people, uh, they, they have the right combination, this mixture. It's like a really complex recipe that you have to have, um, you know, specifically you have to have the right person, the right message, the right delivery. And then the ads have to be, they have to be like, you know, so many of them. They can't just be one or two. You have to have a ton of them to catch all of the people because in today's world, like we were talking about on TV, there's this thing running on television and, and half the people in the room had seen it and the other half had no idea what was going on because they just stopped watching regular television. Right. So you, you're still not going to catch everyone. And that makes it all the more precarious for a candidate to say, I'm just like Hillary Clinton ran a lot of TV ads. It didn't do her any good. Donald right. Trump didn't have to run any because everybody in the media was like, let's get him on. We want him for the candidate because we know he'll lose. And it backfired on them because they really brought him on and he, he explained his ideas and he made right. himself sound relatable and, and normal. And a lot of independents were like, you know what? He has a successful business. Let's give him a try. So I, I, my concern is that like with this HR one legislation, is that the one that they want to do the campaign right. finance that all the that one, stuff's the, un- the For the People Act, which you could yeah. easily say is the For the, for the Democrats Act. <laughs> right. More fair. <laughs> right. For the Democrats to win elections yeah. in perpetuity act. It's, it's no, not no, no. for – we, we full, can't have that. That's the long title. Right. Well, so, so how do we stop them? Because what, what – I know it's a long shot for uh, – to unseat a sitting president when there's not – you know, an economic downturn or something like that. It's really, they have an uphill climb to beat Trump in 2020. But let's say they did, you know, God forbid, they would enact things like H.R. 1 and get their president to sign it into law. What would we be able to do about that as Americans? Well, there's, if they were able to enact H.R. 1, well, they would have to win the Senate as well. But let's imagine they had a really great year in 2020 and and did win both the presidency and the Senate. Uh, there's not – we'd be radically constrained in how we could give our money uh, or get our money into politics to kind of counter the narrative of the left or even give money directly to candidates. That would be very difficult. And uh, not only that, the Democrats would have advantages not only in campaign finance reform or uh, keeping money or rather tamping down campaign finance reform. There's all sorts of little Easter eggs in H.R. 1. Like, for instance, right now, the uh, FEC, the Federal Elections Commission that goes after people who engage in elect, uh, campaign finance fraud or elections fraud. Okay, wait. Right now, there's I need to I need board. to interrupt you and let you just hold that thought, put a pin in okay, it. Can you it hang on until after the break and finish that sure. up? Okay, yep, perfect. We've got John York of the Heritage Foundation, and he'll be with us right after these messages. Stay right there for more Stacey on the Right. it take to be a sports success and a team player here's pro football hall of fame coach tony dungy with today's uncommon moment hall of famer david deacon jones was one of the best pass rushers ever to play the game in the 1960s tackling the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage didn't have a name so jones coined the term sack and boy did he get a lot of sacks he would have recorded 170 but the league did not keep track of sacks until 1983. His signature move was smacking the helmet of the offensive lineman. His long arms and quick hands allowed him to smack opponents' helmets, causing them to blink. That single blink gave him the opening he needed to get into the backfield. 
Jones was an uncommon player who used every single moment, even a blink, to his advantage. Tony Dungy, best-selling author of Quiet Strength and the Uncommon Book Series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. Jay Warner Wallace. I think we're blessed as Christians that we don't believe something that's not rooted in history. We believe something that had to actually occur. As Paul said, if the resurrection didn't actually occur in history, we're to be pitied. And that's the beautiful thing about Christianity, is it's something you can actually investigate. I'm grateful for that because as an investigator, that's exactly how I came to faith. The Marriage, Family, and Life Conference is coming June 20th through 22nd. Learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com. Listen, do you really know who Jesus is? And let me help you to know who he is. You think about all of these kind of false Jesuses that are floating around social media. Oh, you know the Jesus. You know, you got the ethnocentric Jesus. You got the political Jesus, left-wing Jesus. You know, all these popular Jesuses. But but the, the question I think all of us need to ask is, will the real Jesus stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Tuned in to Equipped, weekday afternoons at 12 Central on Urban Family Talk. I'm Hank Weinblum with your Word of the Week. Anti-Semitic, anti-Israel bigotry. Anti-Semitism, hostility to Jews, goes back thousands of years, but the word didn't go into wide use until the 19th century. Its origin is German. Anti-Semitic atrocities culminating in the Holocaust led to creation of the state of Israel, but a comment that support for Israel is like allegiance to a foreign country. And it's all about the Benjamins led many Democrats and Republicans to speak out. Anti-Semitic language, that Jews control the world, that Jews care only about money. They say bad-mouthing the Israeli government and a pro-Israel lobby is code for bad-mouthing Jews. The Democrats have become an anti-Israel party. They've become an anti-Jewish party. But others, including some presidential candidates, say throwing around a charge of anti-Semitism when it may not actually be there weakens the time when it really is. With your Word of the Week, Hank Weindlum, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. We are chatting with John York of the Heritage Foundation. And John, you were going into... Um, some discussion about the campaign finance topic that we were just covering here, and I wanted to right. give you a chance to finish that up. Well, there's just a, a many, many things in HR1 that would would tip the scales permanently in favor of Democrats, not just on the campaign finance reform uh, dimension, but also, quote-unquote, voting rights, which is to say making sure voters can actually legally vote before they vote. Uh, Democrats, of course, are big, uh, uh, making a big push against against that. So elections have consequences. And if 2020 turns in the Democrats' favor, uh, I I think they're going to do everything they can to to tip the scales in their favor on an ongoing basis and make sure something like 2016 never happens again. Hmm. I want to make sure that it does have the possibility of happening because I actually, I, I understand the desire to win. But what I'm seeing is a a persistent effort by the Democrats. Anytime they see a way that Republicans have been able to lawfully um, exert local control, exert control over something or reverse something or enact a law that they, that they like, they look for a way to prevent that from ever happening again, as if they could somehow enforce mob rule by the Democrats 
and subvert the will of really half of the country for forever. That's what they're doing with illegal immigration. They're doing it with this HR1. They're doing it with their desire to have they, – they've already packed all the courts with liberals, and now President Trump is changing that through filling the vacancies with constitutional people. Everywhere you look, they're trying to find a way to subvert actual just voters making a decision one way or the other. Right. Yeah, you, you brought up immigration. The Democrats often say uh, – Voters should choose their politicians. Politicians shouldn't choose their voters. And they say that whenever the issue of drawing district lines comes up or voter ID laws come up. But really, what what is the immigration issue other than Democrats trying to choose their voters by reconstituting the nation and bringing in people they know are, are going to tend to vote for them? I mean, it's no mystery. Uh, so, in a way, they're the party that's trying to choose their voters. I, I hate to say it, but it's true. Totally true. Um, well, I'm I'm excited that first of all, I got to speak to John Malcolm, and now John York. <laughs> I'm I'm on I'm on my way. I'm gonna che- put a check mark beside everyone. I've interviewed Jay Carafano and Hans Buskowski and so many so others great. from the Heritage Foundation. Yeah, all the all the greats. And I will keep going <laughs> down the list until I've interviewed every single one of you. So just keep, get yourselves ready. I'm uh, every we'll, one of you we'll off do. the list. The next time you come by, don't be a stranger. Hey, I will stop by. I'm telling you, this is one of my favorite things to do. In fact, it's so regular for me to go there that my mom will say, uh, "What time do you land? And are we taking you to the Heritage Foundation?" <laughs> <laughs> she just picks me up from the airport. <laughs> this time I was like, no, take me straight to the Gaylord because I'm going to CPAC this time. She was like, oh, CPAC. Okay. And she, they pick me up and take me straight over wherever I'm going. And then we talk. And, you know, sometimes we have lunch first, but they always end up taking me to the Heritage Foundation. And she knows that she'll say, oh, you're not going to the Heritage Foundation this time because I was just in D.C. for CPAC. And I said, nope, uh-huh. I'm not going to get a chance to go this time. She was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. Well, like right. I said, you, you're always welcome. Stop by uh, anytime. I'm I'm always here at my desk. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you, right. John York, the Heritage Foundation. Talk to you again soon. Um, so I want to get to this audio of this girl who was given an in-school suspension for posting Bible verses. And I just, I want you to listen to her. She's so young, but she's so brave. And she's an example for those of us who... I know you get tired of politics. I know you get tired of, you know, being adversarial, but this isn't really about being adversarial. When you listen to her, you'll hear she's not actually being adversarial. She's coming from a perspective of wanting to spread the truth. And I know for me, that's a, that's an attitude that's better than saying, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get in your face in order to truly win. um, We've got to start telling people the truth and letting that soak in, you know, let the Holy Spirit do his work. We have to be the ones telling the truth and then, you know, let it go from there. So listen to her. It's number five. So on Thursday when I got to school, I seen that there were pride flags posters around my school. And I felt the need to write down some Bible verses so I could put them around my school. And I wrote them down and I put them around my lockers, the walls, and I was coming back from lunch because I got sent back to lunch, and I seen the teachers taking them down, and the next day I got called to the office, and there is a letter that says that I have an ISS, which is an in-school suspension, 
And the reason why I have it is because abuse of others, disrespect, rudeness, because I put Bible verses up targeting the GSA organization. I did not know what the GSA organization was or meant. I seen that there was people in my school that needed help and I they don't need to be living in the confusion of wondering if they should be gay by lesbian trans anything like that and I know that God is the only way that they can be healed by that and that's why I did it I was not targeting any kind of organization or anything like that so she goes on to talk about how when she was called in for the in-school suspension she asked the principal well the principal said why were you targeting them she said it's not targeting I'm just telling the truth and he's, she said, I just posted Bible verses. And he said, who gave you permission to do that? And she said, well, who gave them permission to put up their, their posters, like their little, their little uh, flags? And, and he said, you need permission to put it up. And she said, why do I need permission to share people post post-it notes with things that they want on people's lockers? They post them on the wall. They, put, they tape stuff to the walls all the time. Why is it only scripture that is required to have permission to put up? And so I just, again... First of all, I am aware that there are people who listen to this program who are also Republicans and they're on the right politically who are gay, homosexual, lesbian, whatever, and that they disagree with what I said in the first segment. But your argument is not with me. And so the reason why I'm making that delineation is because I didn't write the Bible. I didn't create those scriptures. I am not the source material for what I shared in the first segment during the encouragement. That source material, again, if you missed it, is 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 11 and Leviticus 20, 13 through 15. There are other scriptures in the Bible which speak to homosexuality. Those aren't the only two, but those are the two that I chose to use for the discussion in the first segment. If you disagree with what I said, that is your right, but you are not disagreeing with me personally you're disagreeing with my viewpoint, but my viewpoint comes from what I've read in the Bible. And so the bone that you have to pick ultimately is with God's word and what he says about what you are choosing to do. And so I'm not saying that out of anger or hatred or a desire to make anyone feel bad. This isn't me picking a fight with any segment of the audience. It's just the truth. And I've been there before where I'm doing something or believing something that is not biblical. And when confronted with that, the first reaction is, well, you don't like or you hate or you blah, blah, blah. But this is not about me. I don't intend on engaging any online fights about it um, or going back and forth over it. I gave you the scriptures. You have to make up your own mind what you're going to believe, but you can't change what God's word says. And I'm not the one who wrote it. So I want to give you a couple more details on this story about the Ohio school student. She actually, her name is Gabby Helsinger, and she put the Facebook video up, and it's just gone viral. Um, this the Lebanon City School Superintendent told Faithwire that it's not against school official policy to share or display religious expression on school grounds, and the school's principal, who spoke with her, Scott Butler, he declined to comment to Fox News about this. Now, I went on earlier and tried to see um, the original place where I found the video, and the video was unavailable. So I had to search all over the place 
like just before the show to try to find uh, where the video was still available. And I found it at the hill.com. Um, they claim that they're not going to discuss it because it involves a school disciplinary incident, but isn't that convenient? If they had just talked to her about it and it wasn't disciplined, then they would have, you know, have an opportunity to discuss what they're doing with the media, but they can shield themselves from having to really explain why she has to have permission and have an in-school suspension where, you know, other people can post stuff up and they don't, they don't have the same parameters. Has something to do with Christianity, don't you think? So you've got uh, Lebanon High School. It's about 30 miles northeast of Cincinnati, Ohio. And she wrote these Bible verses down, puts them around the lockers and on the walls. And then teachers came and took them down. How's that for censorship? How's that for making sure that only one viewpoint can be put out there and accepted? How's that for a lesson taught to the other students? Put Bible verses up, we'll suspend you. We'll take the verses down and we'll suspend you. Um, it's not right. It's, it's not right. So this story is also out of Ohio. And I want to get to it. Um, we have a few minutes left in this segment. If you want to call in 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Um, this story is also out of Ohio. A federal court overwhelmingly ruled that Ohio can indeed defund Planned Parenthood. It's the Sixth Circuit that ruled that the state of Ohio can block public funds from going to Planned Parenthood because they perform abortions. And the ruling was 11 to 6. The AP is reporting that a divided federal appeals court on Tuesday upheld an Ohio anti-abortion law that blocks public money for Planned Parenthood. Now, I have previous to this, as an aside, said that I really hate it when they say we're anti-abortion instead of saying people who believe in life, uh, you know, from, from conception to natural death are pro-life. But I'm amending that because if you're anti-abortion and abortion is just a euphemism for barbarically killing an unborn baby, so be it. Anti-abortion it is. You can call it anti-abortion. You can call the people pro-life. In any case, it's the protection of unborn babies. So however you're terming it, so be it. Let, let's, let's, let's do that dance. If, if this is all about language, we should find another word for abortion because it's just a word they made up to make it easier to talk about their march towards infanticide. And, and that is the, the issue here. We're actually quibbling over whether or not the Democrats are openly calling for infanticide because babies born after botched abortions are left to die and, they're, and they want to make that law. And they have in New York. But we're quibbling over which side of the womb the killing should take place. It should take place on neither side of the womb. Somehow I feel like in some ways we've fallen down on the argument and we're winning on the merits. We have more pro-life people in America than ever before. And the millennials are the most pro-life generation, but I, I've said what I have to say. So the full U S six court of appeals, circuit court of appeals reversed the lower federal court ruling. And, you know, it's pretty awesome. Jeffrey, Sutton, who's a judge on the court, wrote the opinion for an 11-6 majority saying um, saying that judges rejected the contention by two Planned Parenthood affiliates that the Ohio law imposes an unconstitutional condition on public funding. And the affiliates are correct that the Ohio law imposes a condition, but that condition does not violate the Constitution because the affiliates do not have a due process right to perform abortions. 
So that's pretty stunning. Um, so let's go to Casey in Arkansas. Hey, Casey. Thanks for calling the show today. Hey, Stacy. Hey. Hey, I just wanted to call and comment on a couple, three little things real quick. Sure. Um, I want to say, I want to say that a girl to Gabby, keep up the good work and don't mm-hmm. back down. Amen. We are behind you and <laughs> you have no, no idea how many people are behind you. And it's I also wanted to say uh, there was a discussion the other day about the uh, Veterans Administration taking the Bibles out of the mm. out of the um, sanctuaries. Yeah, yeah. When you take a room with chairs and pews in it, and you take religious material out of it, Bibles and crosses out of it, it's just an empty room. And yeah, it's not a sanctuary anymore. Anywhere, anywhere in the building. it's true it's true i I just don't understand why they think we should be okay with that like i'm i'm exhausted by the constant idiocy of these arguments like just leave the bibles there and anybody who wants to come in and use the space just come in and use it and stop making it like so hard let's go to mary in uh iowa hey mary hello hey hey i was listening to you and i just you know hey and I was just saying to your, you know, your your person there that, um, you know, it's just like you wonder what can we do because it's gone so far because people on the right, you know, I just think that, you know, we've let the left rule for so long and let them push and push and push us further and further away from what's right and what's good and what God intended that now it's, I wonder if it's too late. I mean, all I know to do when, when I hear these things is just to speak God's truth. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know what else we can do as people because it's just, it's so out of control that we, you know, it's like every time somebody tries to quote scripture like this girl or do anything, and she asks the right questions, you know, why is it that Christians are the only ones that are penalized or it's true. You know, persecuted for, for It's this? true. And, 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 and Mary, we're, we're running out of time, but thank you for the comment. And you're so right. What we can do is we can speak the truth and we can pray. Hold on the line. We'll still take your call after the break at the top of the hour. If we're saying goodbye to you right now, God bless from the heartland. And thank you for making your home at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.